2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Does a person suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's have the mental capacity to consent to sex? That's the question at the heart of a court case in Iowa where a 78-year-old man is on trial for having sex with his wife while she lived in a care home for dementia patients. Today I'll talk to Dr. Michael Gordon from Toronto's Baycrest about the implications. Plus, Margaret Trudeau, former wife of a prime minister and mother of the current liberal leader, is also known for her eloquent writing about mental illness. Now she's taking on something that affects all Zoomers, how to live well as we age. She'll join me in just a bit. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. This Thursday, people around the world marked Yom HaShoah, or Holocaust Remembrance Day, in honor of the six million Jews murdered by the Nazis, including the survivors of concentration camps. Israel came to a standstill at 10 a.m. when sirens rang out in memory of the victims. This year's ceremonies marked 70 years since the end of World War II. Being middle-aged used to mean you were in your mid-40s or early 50s, but the newest data suggests that you might not be middle-aged until you turn 60. Researchers from the International Institute for Applied Systems Analysis studied future population projections for Europe up to the year 2050. Their findings suggest that as we continue to live longer, we need to reclassify what is considered as old age. They found many of us don't think of ourselves as being old until we're within 10 or 15 years of the average life expectancy. In Canada, that's currently 80 for men and 84 for women, A few decades ago, 60 was considered old, and using these new numbers, the researchers say it should be considered the new middle aged. A 65 year old woman who is already a mother to 13 children is now pregnant with quadruplets. Germany's Annegrette Raunick will be the oldest woman to give birth to quadruplets when she reaches her due date this spring. She says she decided to become pregnant again because her nine-year-old daughter wanted a younger sibling. It took her multiple attempts at in vitro fertilization. Her story has created controversy around the world. Many medical professions have called her decision irresponsible and inadvisable, but Annegret has shrugged off the criticism, saying she believes everyone should live their life as they please. Meanwhile, 65-year-old rock icon Billy Joel has announced that he is expecting a child with his 33-year-old girlfriend, Alexis Roderick. His news has been met with more congratulations than criticism. And finally, a California man has become the world's oldest active pilot. On March 30th, Peter Weber Jr. flew three looping circles around an airfield near Sacramento. At the time of the flight, he was 95 years, 4 months, and 23 days old, enough to put him in the Guinness Book of World Records as the oldest qualified pilot still licensed and flying solo. Guinness lists Cole Kugel as the oldest pilot ever. He flew at the age of 105, but passed away in 2007. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's an extraordinary criminal case that's unfolding south of the border. Henry Rands, a 78-year-old former nine-term Iowa state legislator, is facing felony sexual abuse charges for having sex with his wife. There is no allegation that Mrs. Rayens resisted or that any abuse was involved. But because she was suffering from Alzheimer's disease, her doctor said she was mentally unable to consent. What are the implications as we face a rising tide of Alzheimer's cases? I reached Dr. Michael Gordon, Baycrest's head of geriatric and internal medicine. Is there a point where people need to stop having sex because they have Alzheimer's?
0: I hope not. I think one of the problems is the case in the United States, and, and part of that is an American, you might say almost anthropological, cultural view of the world, that things often get turned into litigationist, um, conflictual um, constructs. And rather than trying to unravel what's happening in, was it Iowa? I can't remember what state it is. I'd like to talk in general principles. Mm-hmm. The important principle is... There is no intrinsic reason why a person with cognitive impairment dementia in other words, along the spectrum, cannot continue to appreciate, enjoy, respond to, and I'm going to use the word intimacy, sensual interactions rather than sex, because sex, of the many loaded words, is one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. there's nothing that says because you have a cognitive impairment, you cannot appreciate affection, physical enjoyment, anything that's related to what human beings do with each other as part of sharing love and affection.
2: The allegation is that uh, they were acknowledged to have a very good, loving relationship. Uh, but there came a point where it was a second marriage, and the daughter was concerned that this woman with severe Alzheimer's could not consent to have sex. So they asked the doctor, they said, is she capable of consent? And the doctor said no.
0: So it's the wrong question. Because when we talk about consent in general, especially in the world of health care, we're talking about consent for treatments. Mm-hmm. You know, and for that, uh, whether you consent to having um, uh, surgery, we know is different from consenting to have your teeth cleaned. well, wait a
2: minute, but consent when it comes to sexual activity, especially these days, the yeah. concept of of consent for sex is is not that
0: I know, but to look at the look at the new paradigm, and you tell me if this is what the normal relationship is going to have to be because if it is, I am happy that I'm getting to the point, it's not going to be part of my repertoire, that before you're in the process of wooing your whoever, male or female, and things are getting hot, you say, just a second, I'm putting the video on because I'm asking you, is this okay? And you're going to tell me yes or no. That's not the way people relate. So we know that at the extreme levels, sure, you can identify what you would call acting against somebody's wishes, or doing things that interfere with their ability to participate in the normal way. And I think what we're witnessing is a, I call it, over-legalization of human relationships. In the old days, we used to think of consent as all or nothing. And we acted upon it. Somebody had the power of attorney for personal care, could make any decisions they wanted on behalf of their mother, including whether they like fried eggs. We still have people, children, who still think they can start governing what their parent can eat based on their own values, not that of their mother. And that's the important thing, is the values of the children. We don't know what their values are sexually. But I get very concerned when what could and should be the natural progress of relationships, and intimacy, because it's very important to a human to maintain the humanity to have these relationships in one form or another, and that may include deep intimacy, that may include sexual activity, and not turn it into a consent, as we do for whether you're going to have your colon removed.
2: Mm -hmm. And isn't it the case that you can determine consent from the way somebody looks at you rather than what they say?
0: my understanding of law, is there's consent, formal consent, as we do with medical, and assent. Assent is, by the nature of what you're doing, you are
2: agreeing. So what's the situation now? There's a couple, and one of them has dementia. Can they um, have relations at yeah. Baker's?
0: We, we have couples that have relations. I mean, part of it is, one, uh, cultural attitude, um, education, education and also the structure uh, until the new home for the aged i don't know when's the last time you were at Baycrest home for the aged it was built we didn't have many private rooms
2: so what what is going to happen are are people in nursing homes with dementia going to be able to carry on doing I, well, what they do i believe
0: do? it's going to i believe it's already there for most people and it doesn't make the front page cuz nobody's bringing it to court and it's not being challenged i predict in 20 years looking at the values that people have in this generation of the generation below me, and I'm not sure how old you are below you, they are gonna have a very different view, I believe, about what's allowable. People certainly have moved from having shared rooms to almost all new long-term care facilities, I think it's even a standard now, have private rooms because privacy is uh, considered to be very important. Once you're in a private room and you have somebody close to you I can't imagine how we're going to police it or interfere with it unless there's something to suggest something amiss is going on. It's either a complaint or we see when the couple are together, one is pulling away from the other. One is showing horror. I mean, people express themselves, even with dementia, what their feelings are. Okay. Thanks very much. My pleasure.
2: I've been speaking with Dr. Michael Gordon from Toronto's Baycrest, a world leader in brain health research and education. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. In just a moment, I'll be joined by Margaret Trudeau to talk about her newest memoir, The Time of Your Life, Choosing a Vibrant, Joyful Future. When Margaret Trudeau turned 65, her beloved mother died, one of her best friends was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and she suffered an injury that left her unable to do one of the things she loves best, skiing. The result? A hard look at life and a new book. The time of your life, choosing a vibrant, joyful future. Margaret dropped by our studios this week. Do you think that the way you felt as you turned 65 was partly... Because of the way aging is viewed in our society, or because you accepted that kind of negative. View?
1: Uh, I think that I have. We've all watched in horror at uh, the sort of the gradual disappearance and invisibility of our parents and, and their lives becoming smaller and smaller, and them doing less and less. But for us, um, at our age and our generation, we're different than any other generation that's been. We're not the same as our parents' you generation. You bet we're not. <laughs> and most of us, as women, have worked and or maybe just started working once we raised the children. But we have a network of friends and colleagues and interests that go well beyond the home. And to suddenly when you retire to be just stuck in your home to go and play golf, uh, for women that is not something we want. Uh, we want to keep active and have purpose and keep doing what we've done. I find very, very few women who are happy and complete in, in, in their lives feel that they're old. Even if they're 70, 75, they just, they look old, they say, but in some they feel just wonderful and it's all about keeping your mental attitude terrific which is of course I cover and your health. So how did you come to a more positive view? I mean we here of course
2: at Zoomer Media that's our uh, premise is that we want to foster a new image of aging and of course our generation, generations—it's—it's it's not
1: like it was for our it's parents. It's not like it was. I think to be mindful, certainly to be prepared, to know—and this is what we—I've tried to outline in the book—all the kind of obstacles that will come as we age, and and different women's stories of how they respond to them and how they change because of them. Um, what you have to do, as I, I, I said in changing my mind, the the last book I wrote, is that change is inevitable. There's a tremendous freedom, don't you think, in being a senior citizen, as opposed to being the one, as we were, with all that responsibility on our shoulders. And that responsibility as it goes can leave some people feeling empty and isolated and and not involved anymore. I say just find purpose, find new things, find a new way of things that you never thought you'd like to do. The social isolation of course is the thing that is going to be our enemy because it leads to depression. And of course depression is an illness. Yeah, and and So you you also talk a lot about mental illness and keep Keeping yourself mentally healthy. Yeah, you have to. And, and, you know, it's so easy, really. It's the hardest thing to do, but it sounds so trite. You just have to make sure you get a good night's sleep. And you have to stop eating sugar. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm such on such a bandwagon, so I try not to be on it all the time. But sugar really is a problem to our health. Uh, We eat far too much sugar. I mean, I know we
2: talk about uh, finding purpose and reinventing ourselves, but in practice it's not always that
1: easy. Very not, so not easy, but finding purpose is easy because your purpose, you don't have to have large purpose. You just have to have small. The first thing is start connecting with others and just make it your purpose to find new friends, to go out and to join different groups and, you know, do things where you can meet other people because through that you will find other things that you can do. Of course, volunteering, we seniors have always volunteered, we're depended on to volunteer and that often leads into very good relationships and new things to do and, and a feeling of that you're Contributing, and so many of us who are who who have an interest in travel and international things, um, our expertise that we've had during our life is invaluable to people over, for example, where I work in Africa. What about sex and romance? Difficult. Um, the big issue that I dealt with in the book was gray divorce because there's it's so huge, by the many, way. many, many. Yes, I remember in Macleans a few years ago they said it was an epidemic in Canada that after year, you know, twenty five, thirty years of marriage, uh, there were so many divorces. Um, oh, you know, I have had two divorces, and well, the first one was inevitable the, uh, with Pierre. There was just too much of an age difference, etc. Uh, but I really do regret this at my second divorce. I I wished I had the. I was mentally ill at the time. I, I had lost my son and I, I no longer uh, had any ability to fight for life or anything. And until I got the help I needed, I couldn't even face things. So I, I, I wished I'd fight it. And I, all I recommend to people is if you have trouble, if you're bored. Now, if you have a husband who has abused you or a wife who has abused you all your marriage and you just get out, but if it's just that you're bored, uh, it may not be your husband that is the problem at all. And you have to get a third person to talk to you both and to figure out if there's a new plan that you can make, that you, there's no new accommodations. Why throw out the baby with the bathwater? Yes, change. I miss the tenderness and comfort of a husband. I do. But I do know that I have talked to so many women, and I've asked them, if something happened to your darling husband, would you want to remarry? Most women say no. They say, no, I think I'll just—I uh, had a great marriage. I think I'll just probably go it on my own. <laughs> but would, would you marry again? I. You know, that's a good question, Libby, because rationally I say, oh, goodness, No. No, I just want to have romance. But I remember, I haven't been in love for an awfully long time, but if I fell in love, I know how that feels. It did when I was young. Maybe it's different when we're older. You know, I love men, and I, I have romance in my life uh, from time to time, but not, not anything serious. And I only have 12 places around my dining room table. For Sunday dinner, they're already all filled. No. <laughs> how am I going to put <laughs> another man and his seven grandchildren around my table? So it is sort of thinking, I know, maybe your life could never, be full enough. Margaret Trudeau, thank you so much for stopping by. Well, Libby, thank you, and carry on with this wonderful thing you're doing here, helping us all face getting old (laughs) in a different way.
2: (laughs) In a different way, of course. Thank you. you. Thanks, Libby. Margaret Trudeau's The Time of Your Life, Choosing a Vibrant, Joyful Future is published by HarperCollins. I'm Libby Zneimer. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, This week, we lost Percy Sledge, the man who sang one of the most iconic soul ballads of the 60s. We'll hear that song next. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time for your international arts date book tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown.
3: On stage in New York City, Finding Neverland, it's the story behind the making of Peter Pan. Matthew Morrison of TV's Glee stars as the playwright. Multi-award winning Kelsey Grammer plays the producer. He's the inspiration for Captain Hook. Finding Neverland is at the Lunt Fontan Theatre. In Los Angeles, experience a 21st century city all in one room. Metropolis 2 is an intense kinetic sculpture with a six-lane highway, train tracks, and miniature cars. It's at the L.A. County Museum of Art. Theatre-goers in West End London have had to wait more than 40 years for Gypsy to return since Angela Lansbury starred in the production. Based on memoirs of legendary burlesque entertainer Gypsy Rose Lee, the show is now playing at the Savoy Theater. And in Athens, the exhibition Ancient Greek Art is a history and images from the 2nd millennium B.C. to the 4th century A.D. It's at the Museum of Cycladic Art. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, we said goodbye to the great soul
2: singer Percy Sledge. He is, without a doubt, best known for the iconic hit When a Man Loves a Woman, a ballad that tells the tale of love and rejection. It reached number one on the pop charts in 1966 and sold more than a million copies, becoming Atlantic Records' first gold record. Throughout the 60s and early 70s, he followed up with numerous singles that hit the Billboard charts, but none had the same success of When a Man Loves a Woman. He spent a lot of his life on the road. He was on tour right through the last years of his life and his passionate, soulful performances on stage always brought down the house. He passed away this week from complications associated with liver cancer. He was 74. Right now, we'll hear the gigantic hit that made Percy Sledge a household name. Here is When a Man Loves a Woman. That was Percy Sledge with When a Man Loves a Woman. He passed away this week at the age of 74. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week when we unpack what the federal and provincial budgets
0: mean for you. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Snymer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program Director, John Vandriel.
1: This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.